Chapter Fifteen of Kilgloom Park by Neil Boyton S. J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Fifteen Stalled on High. Labor Day had come, and Labor Day had almost gone. None in Kilgloom Park were more pleased than Claude Hazard and Angelo Daly. The two had been run off their feet, for the record crowd that packed the great Coney Island amusement park had impressed extra work on all employees. Claude had been helping little Red Rankin at his hot dog emporium, and just at present the boy was willing never to see another red hot again, or, at least, till he was on the verge of starvation. Angelo had been forcibly removed from his solicitous care of the park monkeys and transferred to the executive offices, where he was impressed to help G.T. in his half-hourly collections. Only some of them were every fifteen minutes. It was well after eleven p.m., and the two young park employees had been discharged for the day. They sought mutual relaxation. Angelo suggested a novel form. "'Come on over to our apartments, Claude, till I get the loan of Captain's night glasses.' "'What for?' I want to crawl into my little cot and there snooze the clock around. No, you don't. Why? Because we're going up in the inside of the tower and try to get a close-up of that comet that is visible over the island tonight. I don't climb any old ladder that never ends, strenuously objected the weary Claude Hazard. Not the way my legs feel tonight. Thank goodness, Labor Day comes only once a season. Amen, you said it agreed Angelo, as he suddenly realized the extent of the climb he had proposed. He scratched his head and gave the amusement devices that stood either side of Kilgloom Boulevard a speculative inspection. No, not any of the coasters or the scenic railway. His gaze had come to rest on the giant looming circle of the Ferris wheel. I have it. We ride up in solid comfort and then use the glasses when our car stops at the top. I tell you a comet is like Labor Day. It comes about once a year, and we ought to see it. None too enthusiastically, Claude agreed. The boys sought the daily private apartments over the baby incubator exhibition, and soon returned with Buddy, who had been parked all evening in Angelo's room, and Captain's imported pair of night glasses. Then they walked across the almost deserted court of Kilgloom, and nodding to the ticket-taker, ascended to the landing platform of the towering Ferris wheel. The car marked Denver was at the platform. Angelo and Claude and Buddy slipped in, unnoticed by the starter. A few seconds later the great wheel began to revolve, and its free passengers were being lifted into the night over the electric light outlined roofs of the park buildings. Soon the myriad blazing bulbs of the other amusement devices of Coney Island were spread below them. The sounds of the park blurred, the speeches of the persistent barkers softened into a confused murmur. A fife and drum corps' music sounded clearly. The boardwalk and outline of yellow lights slowly appeared, and then the wheel was nearing the top. Angelo and Claude eagerly scanned the dark heavens above the Atlantic Ocean, and there, seemingly over invisible Sandy Hook, was the comet. A milky tail, filling a good arc of the southern sky. Each gazed in awe at this rare celestial visitor. Buddy, with paws spread out in an X, clung to the barred side of the car, seemingly enjoying the rare sight, too. They say, volunteered Claude, one of those things is a star that exploded, and all those bits are pieces flying along, just flying along like Old Man River, waiting to hit something. I only hope they miss the island while I am on it, fervently breathed Angelo. 
Once, at the Museum of Natural History up in Manhattan, I touched a piece of one of them that looked all moth-eaten. But it was iron, or some mineral, hard as anything. Cap would be saved funeral expenses if I was standing under it when it landed on the earth. You and a lot of other people, observed Claude. He had been using the glasses. Now he sank back in the comfortable seat as the ferris wheel began to move, and their car commenced its descent. But comets are no comets. This seat is the best place in the world to be. Claude stretched out luxuriously. Angela followed his catching example, calling, Come here, buddy, and curl upon Papa's breast. He began to hum. Fish gotta swim, birds gotta fly. I gotta love one monk till I die. That was where two weary park employees made their big mistake. Before the Ferris wheel had swung the Denver back to the landing platform, Angelo Daly and Claude Hazard were sleeping the sleep of the dead tired. It was after midnight of a busy day, and the starter may be excused for not seeing the sleepers stretched out in the dark swinging car. Some belated merrymakers piled into the next car and were carried up, stopped, carried further up to stay a moment at the top of the wheel, and then slowly descended. The Ferris wheel made another half-circle and discharged its passengers. Then Labor Day was over in Kilgloom Park and the lights were switched off the sides of the immense circle. Up from fathoms of sleep came Angelo. Buddy was wide awake and chattering his teeth in excitement. Angelo heard the sound that all Coney Islanders dread. There it was, wailing, rising, and falling, the siren of fire engines. Angelo sat up. His hand came to rest on the barred side of the car, and drowsily he listened. Yes, that's a siren, all right, all right, he muttered. Then he was gazing perplexedly at the shadowy vista that fell away sharply below him. He remembered where he was, but something had happened to the million or so of electric lights. They were distinctly out. He turned to the opposite side of the gently swaying car, and saw stretched out the length of the other seat, the dark horizontal shadow of his chum. Angelo dropped his legs to the floor, and as he got up, Buddy made a flying leap to his master's left shoulder. It was a perfect three-point landing. Claude's left hand was lying on his breast, and Angelo stooped to read the time that faintly glowed on the face of the wristwatch. With vigorous shakes, Angelo awakened the sleeper. Say, man, do you know what time it is? It is almost a quarter after three. With sleep heavy on his lids, Claude Hazard verified his friend's astonishing statement. We must have fallen asleep or something, and the old Ferris wheel has marooned us up here. But listen, there's another siren tearing up Surf Avenue must be a big fire. Claude got to his feet, and the two listened to the sound of more engines racing up deserted Surf Avenue. There it is, there it is, shouted Angelo, pointing the night glasses to the southwest. See those flames licking up there? Claude took the glasses and confirmed the sight of the fire. That's beyond the steeplechase on the boardwalk. It must be the Jefferson Bass. Well, I guess you are right, and if it is, they better watch out over there at the chase. Those bass are wood, and... Angelo, like a well-informed scout, moistened his index finger and held it aloft. Yes, the wind is blowing this way. The folks at the chase better watch their plant. This danger to the neighboring amusement park made Angelo investigate their own predicament. Here the two boys were at the exact top of the ferris wheel. Angelo swung back the unlocked car door and peered down the 150 feet to the ground. Save for the night lights, Kilgloom Park seemed deserted. The only movements was the silvery reflection of the night lights on the waters of the chute lake, where a restless seal was swimming. 
Angela and Claude took turns in shouting, but they eventually realized that they were wasting their breath on the night air. To the east, along Ocean Parkway, they could hear the sirens and bells of additional engines tearing along from Brooklyn. The two turned toward the direction of the fire, and now the roofs were ablaze, an ever-widening torch that was beginning to illuminate that section of Coney Island, making the lofty amusement devices in Steeplechase Park stand out black against the orange glow. "'Ah, somebody is awake in Kilgloom!' cried Angelo as he saw figures running across Kilgloom Boulevard. Both boys shouted, but the men below stopped not. Then their shoutings were made futile as the park fire bell began to clang and clang. At the first harsh sound, Buddy began to chatter excitedly. He was told to shut up or get spanked. It was the first time Angelo had heard the bell, since Kilgloom Park's disastrous fire a year ago, and the wild clangs quickened his heartbeats. All too well he remembered that red night, and how he had almost lost his father in G.T. in the conflagration. The two were silent as they watched employees appear, dressing on the run, and congregating at the fire stations below. The park fire apparatus was wheeled out of the fire and flame spectacle. "'I know what Cap is doing!' exclaimed Angelo. "'He is sending the apparatus and men over to help protect the chase. They did the same for us last year.' In his impatience, Angelo danced. Ayoom, he growled in vexation. Of all the nights to get parked on the top of this old wheel. Why did you lay down that time, Claude? And you he swung an angry gest he swung an angry gesture toward the southern heavens. You old comet, you're to blame too. Why did you want to show there a night of a big fire on the island? But though he raved, Angela and his chum were safely marooned on high. Possibly this was one of the best seats on the island from which to view the mounting flames but all its advantages were lost on the aerial prisoners. The movements below ceased as the park fire apparatus was moved down Surf Avenue, and the usual three o'clock in the morning calm reigned in Kilgallen Park. More shouts in vain. Finally, as the blazing Jefferson Bass on the boardwalk through the whole western end of Coney, as far as Seagate and Norton's Point, Angelo came to a desperate decision. I am going to climb down. Don't you do it, warned Claude. There's a lot of grease on those spokes, or whatever you call the supports of the rim of this ferris wheel, and if you ever slip... Yes, I know, happy purgatory, but I bet you every child on this island, and most from nearby points in Brooklyn, are out along the boardwalk watching the fire. Listen to the auto horns on Surf Avenue. It sounds like early Sunday night in the season, and I'll bet you more cars from Brooklyn are breaking all speed limits on Ocean Parkway coming down. I'm going down. Well, I'm not, said Claude determinedly. And if you are fool enough to try it, you better say some good honest prayers before you start. Your buddy would slip on those greasy spokes. That's not a bad idea at that. Angelo daily knelt by the seat of the car and buried his face in his hands. Hastily he said a Hail Mary to Our Lady, his usual prayer to his guardian angel, and he ended up with a fervent act of contrition. Well, that's done. Look here, Claude, as soon as I get down to the ground, I'll get hold of the Ferrisville engineer, if I can find him, and I'll tell him what he left stalled on high when he shut down the wheel. Maybe he can start up the wheel and let you free. If not, anyway, the wheel will revolve when they open the park at noon. That is, if the island does not go up in flames tonight. With this scant comfort, Angelo Daly backed out of the open door of the car and began his perilous descent in the dark. Claude heard him ordering, Go on, buddy. You can take care of yourself in climbing down. 
angelo's eyes were accustomed to the dark and the reflection of the big fire was already lighting the steel spokes and supports of the wheel he worked himself out to the rim and then clinging to it hauled his body up till he sat astride the rim are you all right anxiously inquired claude i am but this suit will never come back the same from the laundry angelo panted as he rested astride the rim i see the best way to get down claude i'll go hand over hand till i get to the next car and then the next till i get to the spoke that is horizontal and then i'll edge along that till i get to the centre and it is no trouble to get from there to the roof of the engine room there's a ladder up the big support of the hub that may be so but if you strike a grease spot and you begin to skid good night don't you worry i got chains on my tires and this child is not going to skid you should see the trapeze act old buddy is putting on he seems to like this claude for the last time i say come on and we'll get down together if you don't you'll starve before noon wait for me i'll come the hesitating determination floated down from the darkness above without waiting for his chong angelo clinging to every obstacle worked himself down to the next car the door of this one was unlocked and he swung himself inside and rested on the long seat his arms were beginning to ache from the unusual strain that had been put on them but he chattered come on and angelo began again to swing out and along the next sector of the rim once his foot slipped and he made a wild grab and froze to the steel girder his heart was pounding as he realized what would have happened if he had not caught that steel are you all right claude resting in the car above shouted you were dead right about that grease angelo shouted back but i have to get to only one more car and then i will have a horizontal rim to crawl in on you should see the way buddy is showing me how to climb down he's more worried than i am how is the fire coming both have forgotten the fire in their attention to the descent claude looked up the flames seem to be dying down but i think there is not much left of the jefferson bass jefferson hot bass hey angelo grinned at his own dubious pun come on buddy show papa the way to the ground the little monkey scampered out ahead and more cautiously his master followed then the car that was halfway to the ground was reached and angelo reported it's all over now the spoke into the hub is horizontal here i go angelo worked himself along the spoke sitting astride it it was a relief to rest his arms weary from having to carry his weight foot by foot he edged in toward the center of the ferris wheel but he went on and provokingly came back to show his master the way it was done that's all right for you but remember bud i have no monkey blood in me but he chattered something that might be interpreted as delight at the news don't get too fresh or papa will spank as soon as he gets his hands on you when angelo was at the center of the wheel and he yelled his arrival to claude who had reached the car swinging halfway down there's a ladder here that leads right to the engine roof but i oom i'll say they used grease to run this wheel and i have scraped most of it off onto my suit i feel as though i were dressed to swim the channel come on buddy and i'll carry you down the ladder obediently the monkey swung to angela's shoulder and holding on to his master's ear chattered his delight slowly angela backed down the ladder feeling for each rung this was distinctly better going and after twenty feet had been negotiated he got careless and commenced to descend more rapidly unfortunately he came to a place where two rungs of the ladder were missing in daylight he would have seen this gap angelo's foot rested on air 
he slipped. Buddy prudently abandoned Chip and flung himself to the rung of the ladder over his head. Angelo's hand clutched the greasy spot and he lost his grip. Then he was falling. He screamed in fright. He struck something cruelly hard, and he was landing on the roof of the engine room. There was a shot of fiery pain through his ankle, and Angelo twisted in agony. This brought him toppling over the edge of the roof, and he resumed his fall to the ground. Angelo did not rise. Claude Hazard from his place at the center of the wheel heard the racket, and then the thud, and the ominous silence. Again and again he shouted. He snatched up the night glasses that hung from his neck, and by their aid searched the ground. He was able to make out the sprawled figure lying below the engine room roof. As he looked, a tiny figure detached itself from the dark shadows of the engine room and leaped down on the motionless boy. Then Claude conquered all timidity and began the slippery descent of the ladder. When his foot, reaching from the next rung, found nothing, he murmured, Ah, here's where he slipped. And he lowered himself carefully till he was able to touch the next good rung. From the roof of the engine house it was easy to drop to the ground and run to Angelo's side. A chattering buddy sat on the hurt boy's shoulder. One glance and Claude was running, screaming his alarm along Kilgoon Boulevard. Big Al Dundee met him, and he heard his excited, Angelo! Angelo Daly's fallen from the Ferris wheel and killed himself! Come! The head of the park detectives came on the run, and when he stooped over the unconscious boy, a brief examination made him stop Claude's tears. Not killed himself, old man, but it isn't his fault. He's just stunned, and I think it will be some weeks before he puts his weight on that left ankle. Run over to the captain's apartments and tell someone to come here. Thank God, cried Claude Hazard, and with a great weight lifted from his heart, Angelo's chum hastened to summon aid. End of chapter 15 Recording by Maria Therese